Well, we're going to talk about um, the heart of the Christian life this morning. And uh, already we've read one text from Philippians chapter 2, and there is uh, another companion text that we'll read now in James. And I'll mention uh, somewhere along in the message that 70 times in the Bible, humility is actually referred to and um, lifted up as the chief virtue of anyone who would walk by faith and not by sight. So James chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. What causes quarrels? What causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity or hatred with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose that it is no purpose that the Scriptures say He yearns jealously over the Spirit that He has made to dwell in us? But He gives us more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. There's an old story of a monk who was oversleeping in the Middle East and the devil woke him up. When he came to uh, his senses, he said, who are you? The devil said, it doesn't matter. The monk said, yes it does, I know who you are. You are the devil and so you must have an evil intent. The devil said, I'm not as bad as you think. I once was an angel and I've retained some of that goodness. The monk said, but you're still a tempter. That's your business. So why did you wake me up to pray? The devil said, if you must know, it's simple. If you had overslept and forgotten your prayers, you would have regretted it and you would have repented. God loves fault mixed with humility more than virtue seasoned by pride. Pope Gregory 1,500 years ago, coined a, a list of sin. You may know it, the seven deadly sins. Do you know what the middle sin is? Pride. That was the first sin to show up in all of creation. Did you hear about the man who was working in the mailroom of a Fortune 500 company? As soon as he got there, he was dissatisfied because he heard footsteps above him. So he's ready, he looks down, he sees a bug, and he's ready to crush the bug. And the bug says, don't crush me. If you let me live, I'll give you all the wishes you might want. And the man said, okay, I want to move up higher. And just like that, he's on the second floor. Very satisfied until he hears footsteps above him. So he says to the bug, I want to be on the top floor. And instantly he's on the top floor. And he's very satisfied until he looks over to the left and sees a door going to the roof. So he goes through the door and up to the roof. And he sees a little boy there praying a prayer. And he says, what are you doing? And the boy says, I'm praying. And he said, to who are you praying? And he said, to the man upstairs. 
The guy said to the bug, make me like God. And in a split second, he's back in the mail room. (laughs) Paul said, have this mind in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who did not think it was robbery to be in the form of God, but he made himself nothing, taking on himself the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men, he humbled himself and became obedient even to death, death on the cross. Seventy times in the Bible, we see the word humility. And yet many more times in the Bible, being humble and poor of spirit is is lauded. And the reason is because at the heart of the character of God is humility. Think of it. God, by His very nature, has at its core, His core, humility. In Ezekiel chapter 28, the Lord addresses Lucifer, the son of the dawn, saying, You were blameless in all of your ways before you, the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. And what was that unrighteousness found in Lucifer, the son of the dawn? It was pride. A couple of verses later, the Lord says, Your heart was proud because of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. And then Isaiah in chapter 14 embellishes it. He said, You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens and I will make myself like the Most High God. And for centuries, people have wondered, where did sin come from? And the Bible makes that clear. The first instance of sin is in the heart of Lucifer, who says, I would be like God. What belongs to God, I wish to take. Isaiah said Lucifer exalted himself in five distinct ways. And in those same five ways, Jesus humbled himself. So Lucifer exalts himself in five ways. Jesus humbles himself in those same five ways. Think of it. Satan says, I will ascend to the heavens. Jesus said, I'll descend to the earth. Satan says, I'll set my throne on high. Jesus says, I will leave my throne on high and come to earth. Satan says, I'll sit on the mountain of assembly. Jesus said, I'll walk in the dust of the earth. Satan said, I will ascend above all of the heights of the clouds. Jesus said, I'll descend to a manger and a cross. Satan said, I'll make myself like the Most High God. Jesus said, I'll make myself a servant to bring glory and honor to the one and only God. I mean, think of it. For Satan, the number five represents pride. For Jesus, the number five represents grace. Pride corrupts, grace restores, and James, the half-brother of Jesus, knows it. Somebody has said that the book of James is really sermon notes because every verse needs further explanation. And that's true of today's text. Somebody has said, when Christians are tempted to settle down and eat a desire of self-centered religion, James comes along and clears the table. Listen to what he says in the last verse of of chapter 3. A harvest of righteousness is sown 
in peace by those who make peace. You know what that means? That means your deepest desire and passion in your heart, though your heart may be scabbed over, your greatest desire is for peace. That's why every benediction in the Bible ends with the words peace. Peace be with you. That's why after the resurrection, Jesus appears to His disciples and He says to them always, peace be with you. Peace is what every one of us longs for. And perfect peace is only found in a humble heart. Look at verse 1. What causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not the passions that are at war within you? Now the word passion there is hedonon, from which we get the word hedonism. And while the word hedonism is usually associated with sexual passion, James uses it to describe something much deeper than sex. He uses it to describe pride. Pride is the conviction that says, I know best, and what is best is what I want. You see, to James, the issue is not so much behavior, it's the desire. And the desire that underlies the behavior, and that desire often is pride. Years ago, a well-known Christian businessman went to a large church, and when the minister saw him in the congregation, he said, why don't you come up and give us a word of greeting? And after 10 minutes, he said, you know, I have a beautiful wife, awesome family. I have a ministry that is the envy of Christian businessmen in this country. I have people coming up to me all the time asking for advice. I started with nothing. I submitted to God. I never wavered. And He blessed me with everything. What more could He give me? And He paused for effect and somebody in the back row said, how about a good dose of humility? (laughs) See, that's what James is talking about. Here in the span of six verses, he gives us three marks of godly humility. So let's look at them. First of all, notice that true humility always recognizes one's own need. Look at verse 4. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Now again, the word he's using here for adulterous is not dealing with sex. He's not dealing with sex. He's dealing with self. In Matthew chapter 12, the scribes and Pharisees come to Jesus and they say to him, show us a sign. And Jesus says, you evil and adulterous generation, you seek a sign while I give you all that I do and all that I say. In other words, I've given you signs enough but you're so blind you can't see them. Every sign they needed to see was right in front of them. Everything they longed for was right in front of them in the person of Jesus Christ. And yet they're too blind to see it. C.S. Lewis once said that the ability to laugh at yourself is functionally the closest thing to true repentance that there is. The proud person can't laugh at himself. The proud person can't repent. Because he or she never sees himself or herself as truly needy. Second, notice that true humility recognizes one's dependence. 
Look at verse 5. Or do you suppose that it is, no, it is to no purpose that the Scriptures say He yearns jealously over the Spirit that He's made to dwell in you? Now, a lot of ink has been spilled on this particular verse. There are those who say, you know, he's quoting a text that's not in the Bible. And technically, while those words aren't in the Bible, the Bible is filled with the same message. And the message is this, and James knows it. God has given to every Christian the gift of His Holy Spirit so that that Holy Spirit, which is the character of God, would do war against any rival spirit that seeks to exalt itself. I mean, think of the first Adam. He exalted himself, and the Lord brings him low. The second Adam humbled himself, and in due season, God exalted him. Do you know how to tell whether the Holy Spirit is getting His way with you? Do you know how to tell whether you're really growing in the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ? James tells us, people will begin to see less of you and more of Jesus. One time, Corey Ten Boom, who was a survivor of the Holocaust, a, a Christian, a writer, a speaker, who got the adulation of many Christians around the world, one time she was asked by a reporter, how do you stay humble? Instantly she responded. She said, do you believe that that donkey that rode Jesus into the Jerusalem that day thought for one minute that when the people cheered, they were cheering for him? The first sign that you have received the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the first sign that the Holy Spirit has really, truly taken over your passions is, will you, is this. You will know that it's not about you. It's always about Jesus and those that Jesus has given into your life as brothers and sisters. You'll know how dependent you are on Jesus and His body. And then third, notice that true humility reacts to one's own sin. Look at verse 6. But God gives more grace, therefore it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. That word pride literally means one who shows himself above others. And the clearest sign that you see yourself above others is the fact that you cannot receive the criticism, the correction, or the counsel of others. This week I got an email from a friend who was writing about his desire for humility, and he said this, if I were ever to receive word that from my Christian brothers or sisters that I was arrogant or self-serving, I would be devastated. Seriously, I would think, oh my gosh, I need to change. I need to take this seriously and see what I can do to fix things. I would get on my knees and begin asking the Lord to change me, to help me grow, that I might be willing to learn, to help me mend the damage I've done. You know why he feels that way? Because he knows the truth about himself. He knows that he's an imperfect sinner who's been placed in a body of believers so that he might be loved and nurtured that he might learn and grow. You know the story about John Calvin? 
Frenchman, scholar, lawyer. He went to Geneva, Switzerland, and he went there with one reason. He wanted a simple life of quiet and study. Well, when Farrell, who was a fellow reformer, found out about it, he got in his face. He said, may God curse your quiet studies unless you abandon them for the sake of the church. You know what Calvin did? Put his books away. Became a pastor. Caring for the people of God in Geneva and beyond. I mean, here was the greatest Protestant scholar of the Reformation who changes his plans because his friend rebukes him. Maybe that's why John Calvin, months later, would write the words of another brother who had rebuked him. But this brother lived a thousand years before Calvin. And Calvin writes about the rebuke of St. Augustine in his life. Here's what he said. I read the words of St. Augustine, and here they are. When a certain speaker was asked, what's the chief rule of eloquence? He said, the first rule of eloquence is delivery. The second rule is delivery. And the third rule of eloquence is delivery. So if you were to ask me, what's the chief rule of the Christian life? I would say first, second, third, and always is humility. First, second, third, and always is humility. James would say that. So would Jesus. You know, before there was an Arthur Murray who taught people to dance, there was an Andrew Murray who taught people how to walk with Jesus. Now, if you've read anything from Andrew Murray, I mean, you are reading the words of a man who walks closely with Jesus. Listen to what he says. The chief characteristic of one who would walk with Jesus closely is humility. Humility is the quietness of a heart. It expects nothing. It's to wonder at nothing that's done to me. It's to feel nothing done against me. It's to be so at rest when nobody praises me. It's to be at rest when I'm blamed or despised. It's to have a blessed home in the Lord where I can go and shut my door and kneel to my Father in secret in a deep sea of calmness when all around me and all above me is trouble. The humble person is not someone who thinks poorly of himself. The humble person is one who doesn't think of himself at all. I'd say that nails it. What say you? Think about that. Amen.